0: Welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast and it was going to be a very short handed edition at the start, a hundred and thirty second episode by the by, um, with just myself and Bertie on hand. But we're getting graced by a very special guest this week. So I'll let Bertie introduce himself first. How you doing, mate?
1: Yeah, I'm a bit good, you know. I've been alright. Well,
0: I
2: can hear a bit of echo, but that's all right.
0: <laughs> and uh, our special guest, do you want to introduce yourself this week,
2: mate? uh former leader <laughs> hamish
0: <laughs> like anthony like anthony milford banished to the reserve grade and now he's back
2: so uh, we're yeah, very well we were waiting for um mirada to return from center to uh, the bench but uh <laughs> brad Alpha's had I, other, like other plans yeah no, very yes, happy to have him and, back and i'm quite i'm quite muffled because i'm currently on the train with a, uh, a face mask on
0: so hamish doing the right thing for everyone mm. all right boys let's get into it um we'll start with the nrl review as always the Parramatta Eels travelled up to Darwin on a Friday night. The first Friday night clash in Darwin after, I think it was six uh, Saturday night events there. But taking on the Brisbane Broncos, the Parramatta Eels, 46, prevailing over the Brisbane franchise to the score of 46-6, uh, sorry. Uh, for the Eels, it was a Mike Acevo triple uh, hat-trick with Isaiah Papali'i, Oregon Kafusi, Tom Opechik, uh Bryce Cartwright and Quentin Gufferson all getting in on the fun. Mitch was 6-8 uh, from eight from the kicking tee for Try conversions, added a penalty goal as well for the Broncos. Tavita Panko Jr. crashed over early. Jermaine Sako converted, and that was it. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, the Eels dominated all the team stats, as you'd imagine. Uh, 59% possession, uh, 10 minutes, nearly 10 minutes plus in time of possession. Uh, they completed far more effectively at 77% versus Brisbane's 66%. Had more runs, run meters, post contact meters, line breaks, tackle breaks, average set distance, and kick return meters they were a slower play of the ball but we know for the Parramatta that is a consistently good stat for whatever it means um, more offloads more uh, passes they didn't have more dummy passes though Brisbane had more dummies there you go uh, but yeah so they, they dominated every important KPI and statistical category and there was plenty of great individual performances where do we start with this one boys Hamish I'll throw it to you since your time's probably at a premium
2: yeah I think um, that first period was pretty even-handed and you know that it was sort of uh, running pretty similar up the middle and I thought even at points, the uh, the Broncos forward pack were probably getting over the top, or at least um, they were keeping pace. And then it was sort of uh, onto the bench when they came on, and it was a much smaller bench that sort of lifted us up. And um, I, I was a bit surprised with that. So, uh, but you know, we popped on those three quick tries before half time, and then there wasn't really much right to write. The white flag went up as it, it, it somewhat usually does in the second half for for Brisbane, and, and that was about all you wrote.
0: Yeah, Payne Haas definitely uh, levelled the playing fields in terms of the the contest around the rock. He had a great start to the game, and I think that Matt Lodge probably profited more than anyone else on the back of that. Um, because when Lodge came back on, he sort of got uh, figured out a bit. But yeah, Haas demonstrating why he's valued as one of the game's most outstanding young prospects. But yeah, the, like like you said, Hamish, uh, the the game got away from the uh, the Dragons, the Broncos, uh, as soon as the fitness stake sort of kicked in. And you could see that all the, like, all the players out there were struggling. It was 70% humidity. Um, even though it was 29 degrees on the thermometer, it was actually 34.5 on the field itself. And so it was absolutely torrid stuff. But the Eels just kept at it. And it, it just it, it took the game away from the Broncos as soon as, uh, you know, the the fatigue set in.
2: But A yeah, stroke of genius for that smaller bench.
0: Yeah, well, BA, uh, B, let, let's talk to Betty about that one. Because Brad did use his bench differently on the weekend, on Friday night, with uh, Will Smith coming to the contest much earlier than usual. And he came in at lock four to play some of that small ball role that he's uh, been very good at. How did you like? I mean, we've been critical of Brad's uh, bench rotation at times, Birdie. How did you see it on Friday night?
1: Um, it was a bit weird, as you said, with um, Will Smith coming in as a you know a middle f- or playing at lock. Like I'd I like it more because he you know he doesn't have to pass the ball that often. But you know this game you, we we got to look at it differently because um at, like an isolated event because it was pretty hot out there. You know we're we, we getting into the colder uh, temperatures. Um, you know the winter uh, time right now. So like. To get up to 35 degrees, like, I feel as though Brad Arthur had to do something differently, you know, than he usually does. Because usually um, Junior and Reggie are out there for like the whole 40 minutes. And so, yeah, it just feels um. usually we, we slate Brad Arthur for his thinking on the run or being stuck to the game plan for too much. But, yeah, it was good to see him, you know, sort of think on the um, – change up his game plan and be a bit more flexible. And, yeah, I didn't I don't mind it, to be honest. Um, Yeah, what else was uh – I like uh, Bryce Carter getting some more ball early because I, I assumed that he was just going to get like the regular twenty minutes on the bench roll. But man, he he was you know he was superb. Like he was just it was like as if he was a starter out there. That's how his impact was. So
0: and, and it's not yeah. like you need a, a PhD in football to define what we wanted Bryce to do and be effective. But I think pretty uh, unequivocally and and across the board, we sort of said that we want Bryce to run hard and let the rest of the football come from that. And we saw on Friday night what happens when he runs hard. The rest of the football came naturally. Um, we use him as a
2: I think a, you guys said um last week that you know the first game it was a bit too much. Yeah. The second game was a bit too not enough. And then we found the and so. Goldilocks. He
0: Goldilocks it exactly right. So it was a great call from everyone on the podcast there. And yeah, it was great because Bryce got to be used in such a wide array of, of means on Friday night. He was a hard running back role that scored a try from short range on pure power and, and want to. He was also the final pass for one of my cacibo's tries. He was also a lethal second phase uh outlet for Quentin Gufferson and Mitchell Moses down the left. So he was being used offensively in all these different ways. And perhaps most critically for us is that in defense, he didn't drop his head. He didn't, you know, shirk his load. He was involved in a couple of wrap ups of Tevita Pango Jr. over the goal line. There was also a moment where I think there might've been a 20 meter restart from Brisbane and on, on the zero or the first t- uh, tackle, he got back and made a, a great cover tackle down the left. So doing everything that we wanted from him. And I think another role like that or another out outing like that, and he's going to be close to being a, a potential starter for the Eels.
2: Yeah, I think we've discussed that whether he comes in for Lane or uh, yeah, exactly or, or what. But yeah, we'll have to see.
0: Now um, Bryce wasn't the only person to start from the bench. We mentioned Will Smith having a good game before he uh, speculated to have broken his thumb, unfortunately. But it was also a career night for Oregon Kafusi, who pumped out 160 meters and scored a try, uh, Scored a try, sorry. Um, love love seeing the young lads coming into their own, and Oregon's been going from strength to strength this year. And given that he's behind Junior and Reg, the playing time isn't always uh, exactly flowing for him, but he's definitely starting to carve out a role on that bench that has seen him be probably the first pick player as a as an interchange player for the first seven weeks. Stefan who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I mean, credit to, to Stefano. He's you know probably the Tigers' best forward now, which says a lot more about their forward pack than... Anything, but he is a good young player still. But yeah, Oregon doing a fantastic job. Uh, who else was a, a standout for you on the weekend, boys? Or, or what from the team's performance caught your eye?
2: Yeah, Moses. I think that link play and, you know, just controlling it. We did what we needed to do. And again, you can't take too much out of a game like that.
0: that that's fair, is that you don't, you don't want to overjudge the result. But I suppose in, in, uh, in contrast, though, is that we've gone to Darwin and it's been a very profitable hunting ground for us with uh, five wins from six games. But we've never won a, you know, a real you know, blowout victory or you know, really put the opposition away. And that's what we did on Friday night. So very confident to see that. And on top of that, it came from back, uh, a backing up of the performance against the Raiders where we you know, went to Canberra and knocked off what we at the time thought was a premiership heavyweight. It turns out Canberra have got a few issues uh, at the club at the moment. But, you know, in a place that we hadn't won for in, in 15 years, then going up to Darwin to post a, a victory that we, of the kind we haven't done ever. So it looks like the boys are doing more than getting the job done now. They're actually taking that next step. So very, very
2: positive. Being ruthless.
0: Yes, exactly, Hamish. That one, is...
2: one player that didn't get much plaudits, but I, I really enjoyed was Gilbag's, you know, after the week that he had last week. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he took the line on pretty much every time. And, and it's really good to see him get back to that. And I think that's where his strength is. And... Right. I agree. He's sort of and, gone away from it. Yes. Yeah.
0: Is that he, he'd been a little bit hesitant um, when he was attacking and sometimes he'd run but and pull the trigger. But it'd be after he'd sort of summed up his options going, oh, it's probably not there, I'll run it. Whereas on Friday night it was like, okay, Jerome Luai type, I've got the ball, I'm going to run. And I think that's a much better foil to what Mitchell Moses brings to the team is if Dylan has been a primary ball runner and looking to link up with men on the outside uh, in in alignment with that rather than sort of, you know, arming and ahhing and, and hesitating. I agree. Birdie, uh, what what can we take away from this game? Considering it was a Broncos though, do you do you think the boys will be uh, getting ahead of themselves, or you know, uh, not-
1: no, not really, because um, you know, against Dragons we got bashed by like that, you know, mediocre pack, you know, like led by a washed-up Vaughn, you know, rejected, um, Alvara. Like that team is like that pack is like bottom two pack probably, and yet this pack, the Broncos pack, it's always like. People say they're a bad team. they got their forward pack is their strength, you know. You got Payne Haas there. You know Junior Paulo said he's like an alpha dog out there. He's literally the leader. You know you, um, pa- Carrigan's no small guy. Lodges, you know, talk about his off-field issues. You know, that's a separate thing. But their pack, like, all they need is a half, and they're they're they're, they're their club ladder much more. They're, they're usually a top eight team. But so like it was good to see up against a sort of like a um, a legit pack um, that uh, they, they stood up. They didn't get bashed and. Yeah, especially um, that's what I'll, I could take out of it because you know our game is based off our power running game, and if the forwards are not up to it uh, or not on their game, it's going to be very hard for Mitchell Moses and Tylan Brown to um, you know, uh, win the game for us. So that's why I'm a bit surprised. I'm not, yeah, I'm not surprised that we did that.
0: And I mean, it continues a, a streak of recent results against Brisbane, in which the Eels have had the complete ascendancy. I think barring there was one loss recently, but the actual aggregate score between the two clubs now is almost embarrassing. I think it's like 38 to 14 or something, or 38 to 10 across like six or seven encounters now. So, Eels continuing their ascendancy against the uh, premier Queensland franchise. And uh, Mitchell Moses' magic at the end, the little Daniel San kick uh, they got Clinton Govston over, actually lifted the Eels ahead of South Sydney on four and against. So, at the end of round seven, Parramatta Eels finished the round in second on the ladder. So, a nice little bump up there uh, as we still chase the undefeated Penrith Panthers. Any other closing comments from this one, boys?
2: Yeah, I've got two. Um, one was the uh, Moses double tackle on that, that break, uh, which probably should have been a, a 10 in the bin um, for the leg pull, um, which wasn't picked up. But yeah, that defensive result was really good. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, going back to the, the use of the bench, is sort of playing the long game, I think, from BA, not burning out those starting three. Maybe yes. you've learned a little bit from last year.
0: Yeah, it was definitely in, in the most testing conditions of the season. He didn't have to lean heavily on Junior Reg and, and Nathan Brown which is very encouraging. And, and like Bertie said, that the Brisbane forward pack isn't actually that terrible, um, especially behind Payne Haas, who was an outstanding player. But yeah, the fact that we can put up those sort of points and dominate the ruck in the second rotation the way we did... Is very encouraging, and uh, and I suppose the uh, acquisition of Wiramu Greg helps that as well. Who had a, a nice little stint off the bench there in his second NRL game. So um, yeah, very encouraging seeing the likes of Augy, Wiramu, uh, Will Smith playing that small ball lock role. All these guys coming in and helping the Eels get up to a forty uh, a forty point differential win.
1: Um, um I can also i uh, I'd like to say one thing. Uh, poor Broncos, they're probably praying to NRL. No more games at Bankwest. We get flogged. We can't score. Mate, we went to Darwin. The close it was Broncos. I think it was like a Broncos pro crowd there. It, it
0: was a very vocal Broncos contingent at the very least. Yeah,
1: poor man. Who would have thought, uh <laughs> Broncos? Man, it'll be they probably want to go back to Bake West now, at least they have a chance.
0: <laughs> and uh, it also led to the uh, Broncos sacking their halves pairing, by the way. So <laughs> Parramatta is making things happen for all sorts of teams when they play them. Okay, so that was the uh, premier result that week. So round seven, Parramatta forty-six over the Broncos as six. Moving on to other results on the weekend, we're going to start with the Harold Matthews, our last remaining junior representative team, who took on the Penrith Panthers in the grand final qualifier out of Blacktown. Uh, it was Lee, Laybutt Sporting Complex, and there was a fair few podcast, or yeah, a couple of the podcasters out there, and some other fans got out to watch this game. Myself, Ham Sammy, who's not available tonight, because he's got an early start at work, and then a few of our mates... Uh, we're on hand to see the Panama Eagles defeat the Penrith Panthers 14-6 in a, a very high-quality uh, Harold Matthews contest, it must be said. Uh, there was uh, some dubious officiating, but the two teams themselves played some very tough, uh, explosive footy, a lot of big hits, some good football, uh, a little bit of a, a aggro, but not too much. But yeah, a high-quality game for the Eels, uh Aho, Joshua Alzahim and yeya Ayachi got on the board via tries. It was a bad day for Ethan Sanders from the uh, try conversions uh, standpoint. Zero from, they're saying zero from two, but it's zero from three since we scored three tries. And uh, he did add a penalty goal, however, to get to that 14-point score for the Panthers. Billy Scott scored a nice little solo try down their left edge. Tyler Bunting missed the conversion there, but did add a penalty goal. Yeah, so the uh, the win puts the Eels into the grand final next week at Leichhardt, where kickoff is 1pm. They will be taking on the Manly Seagulls, which means that it's a 1v2 uh grand final which is the way it's meant to be drawn up when you go through this Ooh, sorry about that uh and That's yeah nice. <laughs> it's all good but yeah um like i said very good game i thought that the uh center uh charlie geimer who's been very good all year was outstanding He made so many great runs in in very demanding circumstances in terms of coming out of our red zone Um, and he always managed to beat the first defender and and truck him for about 12, 15 metres, made some great reads in defence, almost had a try, but it was called back for a forward pass. Uh, So he had a great game. I thought the fullback, Patrick Spence, was very professional at the back. He only dropped one ball all game and it went backwards, which um, led to a a 20-metre restart for the Eels, funnily enough. Um, Beyond that, he got through a lot of work, uh, the other player that impressed me was Blaze Talangi, the young five-eight stepping into the starting team for the second time this year, I think. Um, very good defensively, some great jams. Uh, he reads the play really nicely and gets into the the ball carrier uh, with a lot of aggression and uh, jolted the ball loose on at least one occasion. Um, and yeah, the Penrith Panthers were very good. So uh, full credit to the boys for a very tough win and it sets them up for a barn burner in the grand finals. They look to uh, avenge the round one loss, their only loss of the season against the Manly Seagulls. And it, uh, sorry, that was the start of a very good Saturday uh, for the Eels with uh, three games featuring obviously starting for Harold Matthews, was also the Jersey flag and the New South Wales Cup. Uh, got three victories in all three grades, uh, spoilers there. So we went to Ringrose Park for a double header against Rabidos in the flag or starting with the flag. Um, I was out there for this one, obviously, and the Eels winning 48 to 12. Uh, Tri-scorers for the Eels was Tevita Massimo for double. Clayton Farlolo also scored a double, then you had Jaden Yates, Brock Parker, Jaden Skinner and Matthew Dragasic scoring, uh, Carl Schneider added seven goals from eight attempts, from tries, added a penalty goal as well, for the Rabidos. Uh, it was, uh, Joshua Fe- uh, Fepulia, uh, Luke Peru, and, oh my goodness, sorry, uh, and Hutchison Walkers, sorry Layfin. I re- almost read that as Nathan, that's what made me stop, uh, was the, uh, <clears throat> tries and goals, sorry, so yeah, this was a, a fun game to watch. And there was a couple of uh, changes for the Eels in terms of their lineup. They had a big shakeup prior to kickoff. Uh, Clayton Falola was named at 5'8 and got bumped back the fullback. Solomon Oduki dropped back to uh, Fleg from the cup to account for the newly acquired Hayes Parram. Uh, then we had Fruin East Hope was a late inclusion. to Masmer a late inclusion. Karl Schneider moved, moved from hooker to uh, dump, uh, from hooker to halfback. Sorry. Then you had Ethan LeBlanc coming to the starting team. Peter Tateo moved from bench to starting edge. And then you had on the bench come Brock Parker, another SG ball player. So there was a ton of pre-game shuffling, and it led to their best result of the season. I uh, Just looking at this lineup, I thought Clayton Falolo had a really good game at fullback. Uh, Naiduki was very solid in one wing. Uh, sorry, Dribil, Dribil Kalaji, another SG ball player, also started at center. Uh, Masma had a good game before. He was uh, banged up due to a head knock. He got a, a nice try backing up and a nice interception try that went for 85 meters. So he read the game really nicely there. Uh, and beyond that, Peter Tateo, the SG ball player, was outstanding on the left edge. Very explosive. Uh, the Bunnies could not contain him. Jaden Yates was very good as the lock-slash-dummy-half utility. Uh, and then the other SG ball players like Jonte Jr., Befumiza, and Brock Parker are also had good games. So very happy with that result. The Rabbitohs the weren't a bad team by any means. Very big and powerful. But the Eels outlasted them and then turned it around in the second half. And that win puts them into, if I just quickly check the ladder, uh, jersey flag, pardon me, uh, into the top six again. So if the finals were to start... Uh, this week the Eels will qualify, which obviously means not much given that it's only round seven going into round eight, but at least they're keeping pace with where they need to be. Okay, so that was the flag, and then the game uh, that capped off the sad day or the super sad day was the New South Wales Cup, naturally, and this was at Ringrose Park as part of that double header I mentioned before. Um, with the second half effort from the Eels, um, seeing them storm home over the Rabbitohs, thirty-eight to twenty. Uh, Eli or Ellie, sorry, Elsingham Sean Russell for double, Hayes Dunster. Ryan Madison, Keegan Hipgrave, and Jordan Rankin all getting over the white stripe. Rankin going 5 from 7 from the kicking tee. No penalties in the the only game so far with no penalty goals. There you go. Uh, For the Bunnies, you had Stephen Masters getting over twice uh, alongside Nick Mugios getting over twice. And then they had a couple different goal kickers because James Tatio Lufa, sorry James, uh, pulled up lame, I think, in terms of kicking after his first attempt. So he got one, and then Stephen Masters went one from three. Oh, sorry, one from two. So yeah, they both went one from two. There was also a send-off in this game, uh, late in the piece, in the six and a half minute, Tao Tao Manga, uh gave the touchy a gobble, and not for the first time in this game, which is what led to the officials coming together and sending him off. Not exactly sure what was said, but like like I was saying before, not the uh, first incident of the night, and that's why he got sent, I dare say. But yeah, for the Eels, it was a very scratchy first half, and they really struggled to get any consistency going. Sean Russell was bumped to wing to make way for Hayes Perham who joined the club that week. And it, it sort of really affected our flanks, both Dunster and, and uh, Russell. Uh, and, and Russell's defense, he hasn't played wing in years, but they both struggled defensively, getting caught out a number of times. Uh, thankfully, at halftime, though, whatever message was delivered by coach Ryan Carr got through because they turned on uh, the form in a big way. Uh, Jacob Arthur was sensational in the second half, spearheading a couple of line breaks and setting up a few tries. Um, looking very good running the ball, actually, which is encouraging because I feel like the best halves uh, created platform based off their running game. In terms of the rest of the players, Russell had a couple of nice tries. Um, I thought that uh, Ryan Madison was slow in the first half, but dominant in the second. Kicking Hipgrave continues to be undefeated across all formats in uh, 2021 with, uh, I think he's... Yes,
2: the anti moose.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas Josh Maguire is still hunting his first win. Uh, on the flip side, Keegan can't help himself but win. I was looking quickly at the team. And yeah, I think Arthur's probably the standout performer but I feel like uh, Sean Ross had some good moments. Hayes Perham was probably guilty of overplaying his hand in the first half, trying to impress at a new club, but he settled down in the second half and looked very good. Um, uh, Both Lassik and and Nathaniel Roach continued to be good around the ruck. Mackenzie Makatoa was was very solid. So it was a good team effort, and it capped off a a weekend that saw the Eels win in all four grades that were playing. Um, And yeah, really nice way to go on. So that win... Uh, Takes the eels to, I believe, fourth. If I look correctly, yeah, they are fourth. Uh, they, they and the bears are on three wins. Uh, but the Bears do have a draw to their name, so they're actually in outright fourth and not a share of third, unfortunately. And they are trailing the undefeated Penrith Panthers and the Magpies who took down the uh, Eels a few weeks ago, who have five wins. So a bit of a buffer between the top two teams and the Eels, but they're still keeping inside uh, the sort of tracking they need to to make a good run later in the season. Oof. Okay, that's all the reviews of the weekend. Sorry about a bit of a monologue there because Ham's not here. so it was on Mate, one-
1: Can I just say... Yeah, buddy. Mate, you put up put up more fight than more effort than the Broncos did, man. the Tigers. <laughs> man, seriously like that's a one man show.
0: Well, unfortunately since Ham isn't here, it was um it's a bit of a monologue at the moment because I was the only person out uh, for those games which weren't broadcast, unfortunately. But did see,
1: see on Instagram via the Cumberland Fr is it Cumberland Furry Instagram yeah, or I think the it might have been yours or sixties.
0: Sixties um, runs the, of the Cumberland Furry on the Twitter on I, Instagram, sorry.
1: I did see that Russell try where um, it came off a with a south, the south a little little, bat, little battle ball
0: and he he scooped it up and
1: raced. Uh, oh, he showed some a clean set of heels, man. I didn't know he was that quick. Yeah, he's got. Like some, thought, he's got some moves. Yeah, like I was like, oh, he's gonna get picked up. I'm like, surely he's gonna get tackled. No one came close to him, and I'm like, yeah, we we seemed alright. It's just obviously the that game the their tries came down the edge. which um, you know, yeah. that could be just a common paramedic thing. Our edges are probably like weak, but. You yeah, know, we worked hard, and we were good, very, from what I've
0: seen. We were very compressed early on in defense, and Souths identified it and executed pretty well in exploiting it. They were very aggressive from their red zone in spreading the ball, and, you know, obviously we were condensed looking to try and beat up on their pack, and instead we got caught short, which is what led to a few early tries and line breaks. But thankfully, yeah. we made a good adjustment in the second half, and, uh, and I mentioned... Uh, in the fleet, in they had a big team. It was very similar in, in this grade where, you know, some big big boppers in the forward pack. But once the grind sort of settled in, we went better in terms of the fitness and going set the set. Um, now let's move on to the NRL and news component of our podcast. Nothing really concrete this week for the Parramatta Eels. Lots of rumours though. Uh, so starting off with the not-so-flash, the media are continuing to link Mitchell Moses to the Brisbane Broncos um, with uh, the playmaker yet to take up a, a player option in his favour, which can be activated as late as round 10. Um, at this point in time, all the other press is sort of indicating that Mitch wants to stay at the club, but uh, the media are doing their best to milk it and, and try and make the connection that the Broncos need Mitch more than anything else because they are in a bad sort. So I can understand why, but um, yeah, that's really driving the talk at the moment. Um, beyond that, Nathan Brown has had his offer from Manly officially rescinded. It turns out they're in a bit of cap trouble themselves. Uh, offer from Manly, I say, or the Broncos, anyway. And uh, Ryan Madison, likewise, has a, a player option in his favour. He's yet to take up, But I think his can be executed halfway through the season and not round 10. So uh, that's a, all the sort of uh, internal and, and bad news. On the other side of things, the Eels are also been linked to a, a big push for Tony Staggs. And I think just as his podcast went live, the Daily Telegraph are reporting that they've met with uh, Dane Gagai. But it was... I don't know how they're trying to build it, but it was more like a they've met with to sort of sum up what he you know he wants and if he, if there's an option for them. So by no means signing Danga guy yet, but that's just the player being linked to the Eels. Bertie Ham uh, Hamish, any thoughts on all the uh, signings news that's sort of been stirred up for the Eels recently?
2: Yeah, fish and chip wrapper, wrapper paper stuff isn't it really until there's anything confirmed.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can sort of a- entertain it for a bit of fun to chat about, but um, given how tightly the ship is run at the Parramatta Eels now. Uh, we don't really get a lot of uh, like loose rumours like it once we once used to and, and managers are a little bit more adverse to using us as a pure negotiation chip in the press because we tend to come out and, and squash it. But, yeah, at least there's a bit of action um, happening as Eels look to shore up their 2022 squad uh, with some, you know, obviously big holes to either retain or fill. I mean,
1: look, I don't know. Look, I could be literally banished from the podcast from saying this. But I don't <laughs> mind. Look, okay, if we can get Gag on... Like not paying him uh, set of origin money, but like say three four hundred to five hundred k, right? I view that as a good deal because he can play center, he can play wing, and he can play um, a bit of fullback, like if we needed to, and like especially with our team, you know, if injuries go, like anything can happen. Like let's just say if we had him this year, right? Wonga Blake goes out, like um. Oh, I'm just saying, like like he, I just feel as though his versatility is is very handy, but don't pay him set of origin money. That's that fair. makes sense. If
0: he comes in that sort of price range that you're talking about, Bertie, in that three to four hundred bracket, um, given that he's got versatility, and I think that I think given the fact he's actually been pretty good for the Rabbitohs in the last uh, season and a bit, um, I know people like the meme about Gagai, and I've done it too. I've been guilty of it for sure. People like the meme that Gagai only turns up state of origin, and while that was true for a long time, I feel like recently he's actually been pretty good at club level. So um, it'd be a much, uh, pretty much akin to us signing Blake Ferguson going back when he first joined the Eels in that. I think uh, is 30 years old, so he's still you know, not past his prime, and he's still got plenty of football to play, but you, you're sort of replacing Fergo with the younger Fergo, like uh, of the Fergo that joined us in 2019. So not a terrible yeah, move. Definitely
2: this me. season he's been a, a, a massive improvement, and um, you just wonder if that's a contract year thing. or Well,
0: that that's a good concern, isn't it, Amish? It's, or whether it
2: might continue. Yeah,
0: so that that's a fair counterpoint. Um, but yeah, definitely something the monitor Eels looked around out their 2022 squad. Uh, we've got lots of good players signed up. Got a few key players that resign, um, but we've been pretty active this year. We've added, we removed Greg and Hayes Perham mid-season. Um, we've got uh, you know some uh, good bargain buyers again with the likes of Isaiah Papali'i and Tom Opacic doing their jobs, um, and even reserve grade. You got Nathaniel Roaches on a development deal who could very much feature later in the year. So good work to our BA and uh, Mark O'Neill and the rest of the recruitment and retention staff. And let's hope they can go on to the job for um, the last few things. And I think that's pretty much all the NRL news. The only thing that came off the club today is that Will Smith is suspected to have a thumb fracture. Um, the TBA is his uh, return time at the moment as he goes for further scans. I think NRL physio was saying that the, uh, a worst case uh, thumb fracture can go up to six to eight weeks, um, depending on you know, obviously the severity. So between three to four for a more medium grade fracture. Um, six to eight in a worst-case scenario. So um, I was going to say it helps BA avoid a, a potential crisis in terms of bench selection for at least one week, but he's managed to find a way to keep it spicy, which we'll get to soon. But uh, let's dive into our preview, starting with the Harold Matthews grand final. That'll
2: be 10. I was just going to say Ooh, yeah. uh, one more news item, the Dillbags news. Um, if anybody saw the clip, oh, you we'll managed. see what comes of it.
0: Yeah, so the, the, the club did issue a statement um, I think Dylan is still unnamed in terms of the official press, but everyone in the media knows that it's Dylan have and have pretty much alluded to the fact that it is Dylan Brown that's at the centre of this. But the club did release a statement that they're aware that a video has been uh, brought to their attention. They're working with the Integrity Unit to uh, progress with the investigation. Um, they wanted to stress that no no material is uh, alleged to be uh, at fault at this time in point, or point in time, rather. Um, And rather that the person that filming them is probably the one that's causing all the issues. So um, if you have seen the footage and whatnot, or you know what they're talking about, I think we just wait until the NRL integrity unit and the Eels do their due process. Um, And certainly for Dylan, he turned out a pretty good game on the weekend. So yes, that is the um, last bit of news. I think is that right, boys?
1: Yeah. I can't think of any other ones after that.
0: Yes. So let's get to the previews now, as I was getting to before, I forgot to talk about the the PR statement there, Uh, but uh, yeah, starting on Saturday at 1pm out at uh, Leichhardt Stadium. Is it my, sorry, I'm just trying to see where i put my... I've managed to move my thing. Sorry. Um, yeah, 1pm one, 1 p.m. out at Leichhardt, the Parramatta Eels will be taking on the Manly Seagulls in the Harold Matthews Grand Final. I'm just going to quickly pull up the team list because they managed to close that tab a while back, it turns out. So highly professional standards here for me. Sorry, boys. Um. For the Eels, they've got one change this week as Ty- um, Terence Laffey comes back from an injury. And their lineup to take on the Seagulls looks like this, with Patrick Spence at fullback, Suliasi Aho and Josh Liala Lotto on the wings, Charlie Geimer and Declan Murray are in the centers. If you've been playing along, uh, that's a full-strength back line, which is always good to see. In the halves, Blaze Talonghi holds his spot as a starting 5'8", and we'll partner Ethan Sanders. In the front row, you've got Sam Tuovati, Yeya Ayachi and Orfagmino, a back row of Dominic Destratis, Saxon Pryk, and Miles Martin, so that's ostensibly a full-strength lineup for the Eels, which is very encouraging to see. Uh, on the bench, you've got... Terence Laffey, who returns from that legendary alongside Jacob John, Joshua Alzahim, and Raph Destratus. Uh, Genesis Talanya Sawala is the 18th man. So that is a, a very good team and a team that has played some very good team football. Um, that's been the real uh, story of their season in 2020, uh, sorry, 2021, rather, is how even though there's some, you know, very, uh, very talented individual players across the Eels. Uh, their 1-17 to 17 is consistently performed as a unit, and that's what's helped them get over the line. And probably the one exception to that was in round one when they dropped the game in Manly, um, and they sort of didn't operate as uh, cohesively um, as they would otherwise have been across the season. And that's when the, the Manly stars with the likes of Latu Fanu and Josh Feldy managed to create, enough op- or create uh, the sort of opportunities needed late in the game to pip them. So speaking of the seagulls, a couple of our recognisable names there for people playing along at home uh, Lehi Hopawari. uh You've got Josh Felty, who I mentioned before, who's their captain at centre. Uh, Latu Fainu, younger brother of uh, Manesi, uh, and there's another Finu there as well, uh, Samuela Finu. So I'm not sure if he's any connection there, but I know that uh, I know that Latu is uh, definitely the younger brother of Manesi. Um, but a couple of good players there, Ollie Cummins and I think that's the probably the sort of crux of their stars, but they've been outstanding this year, and I think they went through the season undefeated. So Eels only dropped one game, which was against Manly, and it sets up the final of the two best teams in the competition. So this will be broadcast on New South Wales Rugby Week TV, which is a Facebook channel, but you can also catch live updates on the Cumberland Fro. I'll be out there for that one yeah, looking forward to our boys having a big game. And yeah, it's an absolutely cracking game on paper because it's the two best teams in the competition by some margin. Which then takes us to the Jersey flag, which is part of the doubleheader out at Stadium Australia. Not ANZ Stadium, I got it right this time. Um, This is the the curtain raiser to the NRL game against the Canterbury Bulldogs. Uh, The Dogs are positioned one spot above the Eels on the ladder in the Jersey flag, So it's a 5v6 contest. Good good, uh, fit on paper in terms of that. Eels got a lot of changes though. Um, So... Clayton Falolo will start at fullback after being uh, a late shift there last week. And you've got Big Solomon, Iduki, and Fruin East Hope on the wings. Jeryl Kalachi and Jaden Skinner actually mark an unchanged lineup uh, from the team that started uh, last week rather than the team that was named. Uh, Tavita Massimo and Kyle Schneider return as the 6 and 7. Uh, in the front row, you've got Dave Hollis, Ethan LeBlanc, Jack Colavardi, Uh Back row of Peter Totillo, Oliver Clements, and Jaden Yates. On the bench, you've got. Oh, so Sorry, they've named two different teams here. So. The New South Wales Rugby League team is different from the uh, the uh team. So I've named the actual team that took on last week. So let me just go open the, my other team list. That's a bit embarrassing. So the Eels team list is actually different to the New South Wales Rugby League te- team. So let's get this right. My pardons to everyone listening at this point in time. So the team named by the Eels is, yeah, as this. So Massimer at fullback, Naiduki and East Hope on the wings, Kalachi and Skinner in the centres. Lawlor is at 5'8", not fullback, with Karl Schneider partnering him in the halves. Front row of Davis Holl- David Hollis, Jaden Yates, and Jack Colavati. Back row of Oli Clements, Peter Tateo, and Caleb Toi, who returns from the concussion protocol. On the bench, you've got Ethan LeBlanc, Jonte Jr., Beth and the big hyphen, one of my favorites. Lennox Whitaker and Larry muaga Tutea, who's making his N- uh, NRL, his, his jersey flag debut. So um, that's more ball prospects taking over this team, which is really cool. So if I just look at this team now, going from top to bottom... You got Kalachi, uh, Tatio, Tohi, uh, Beth Meza, and Moagutitia, uh, who are all ball eligible and either played this year or in take- Caleb's play. Uh, I don't think Caleb played ball, if he did, it was only one game, but they're all ball eligible. On top of that, you had Brock Parker, and I believe Tyron Sal's right in the mix for uh, selection this team, too. So all the young kids coming in and bringing lots of juice. Um, they're taking on the dogs at 3 15 pm. Um, so yeah, good luck to them there. In the New South Wales Cup, it actually takes place on Sunday. So it's getting bumped to after the NRL. It's out at uh, Hinchinbrook. Aubrey Keat Reserve, which is out past Liverpool, taking on the Mounties, who are the Dogs' affiliate in the New South Wales Cup. Um, and for the Eels, just a few changes this week. You've got Hayes Perham officially named at fullback after starting there last week, which pushes Sean Russell to the wing. He's partnered there on the other flank by Lola Toa Mataafa. In the center, you've got Will Pennicini and Michael Oldfield. Harv's pairing as it has been all season of Jordan Rankin and Jacob Arthur. Front row of Kai Rodwell, Joey Lusick, and we remove Greg, who gets bumped down from the NRL. Unfortunately, big cult hero having to go back to the reserve grade. Back row is uh, slightly modified this week, given that Ryan Madison goes back to the NRL as expected. Uh, Eli Elzecam, Keegan Hipgrave are on the edges. Makahessi Makatola switches from prop to lock this week. On the bench, you've got Nathaniel Roach, Kurt Dillon, Shabelle Tassabali, and Atasi James. There is no 18th man. They're taking on a Mounties team that features some familiar names like Kieran Moss, who was actually at Wenty when they were a line of the Eagles a few years back, Watson Haleda, another former uh, reserve grade player for the year. played
1: years. footy against Kieran Moss just to – Oh, there you uh, go, birdie name-dropping. Yeah, the, no, fr- the Ferrari. I remember um, pen junior who played for Windsor, and and I remember versing them, and they said, "Yo, you got to watch out for the fullback. He's a state runner. Well, learn off the kickoff, he's a state runner. I didn't realize how quick he was, so –
0: yeah, he's he's um they caught him the Ferrari for a reason. He has got some serious wheels and he's, he's
1: like the original uh Ferrari before that uh Charlie Stains came <laughs> yeah, along. But, um, yeah. Um, then yeah, I don't know what happened. He he signed with us and what happened, he went to England, didn't he? Moss or- Moss played
0: all right for us for a year, and then I think he went yeah. to England, you might be right. Um so Aaron Shoop is a highly regarded uh prospect that the dogs pinched from the Steelers a few years back, playing in the centers. Uh then you got Lachlan Lewis and Reese Davies. What's going on? The dogs are taking all the Parramatta um four players. So Lachlan Lewis and Davies in the halves. Alpha Hickey Ogden's played NRL Dean Britts played a little bit of NRL uh, there's uh, Dean Madison Ryan Madison's younger brother Joe Stimson mm-hmm. anyone else and that's about it in terms of uh, familiar faces or NRL players there and they are taking on the dogs as I said at Auriquequeet Reserve three o'clock in the afternoon uh, the Mounties are a little bit behind the eels in the reserve grade so it's free it's sorry it's 4v6. Uh, so equal amount of wins, but the Eels got a superior for and against. So pretty evenly matched uh, contest on paper. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm getting out to this one, though. I'll try to. If I if I do, you'll we'll get updates on TCT, as always. Um, but otherwise, I think Ham's planning to get out to this one, so we will at least get a report for the podcast next Tuesday.
1: Where's the Aubrey Keech Reserve? Is that uh,
0: Hinchinbrook? So you go out past Liverpool, and yeah. uh, it's right next to the Mounties Club, I believe.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah, if I'm not out there, Ham will be and one way or another we'll have some um, reports to give on Tuesday, thankfully. And um, all that action, the three games uh, that are either before or after the NRL are all uh, pale in comparison to the NRL naturally as the Paramount Reels go to Stadium Australia to take on the Dogs in the middle slot on Saturday, 5.30pm kickoff at Stadium Australia. Uh, so it's going to be 2v16 because unfortunately the, the Tigers didn't lose by the 70 points of four and against that we needed in order for them to get, get below the Dogs against Manly. But uh, it looks like this for the dogs. Nick Meaney at fullback with Nick Kotrich and uh, Tua Peloto Katoa on the flanks. Uh, Will, this must be new. Will Hopwadi is the captain at center alongside Corey Allen. In the halves, you've got Jake Averillo and Kyle Flanagan. Front row of Dylan Napa and Luke Thompson on either side of Sioni Katoa. Backroll of Adam Elliott, Chris Smith, and Corey Waddell. On the bench, they've got Bradley Dietz, another one-time reserve grader for the Eels, if I'm not mistaken, alongside Renoff Tony, Ava, Sulmana Fungi, and Matt Dury. So Sulmana Fungi and Dury also are junior Eels. Uh, on the extended bench for the Dogs is Brandon Wakeham, Joe Stimson, Dallin with Teens Lesniak, and Offa Hickey Ogden. Trent Barrett is the coach for Parramatta. A couple of changes this week, some which you might have spied already if you're listening uh, with intent to the reserve grade team list. At captain and fullback is Quinton Gufferson. On the wings are Mike Asivo and Blake Ferguson. Centre pairing of Tom Opicic and Murata Niakore. Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses to the 6 and 7 respectively. Front row of Reagan Campbell-Gillard, Reid, Mani and Junior Paulo. Back row of Sean Lane Isaiah Zaya Papali'i and Nathan Brown. On the bench, a couple of changes. Uh, no Will Smith with a thumb injury and Ryan Madison is back. So it looks like this with Oregon Kafusi, Ryan Madison, Hayes Dunster and Bryce Cartwright in the 14 to 17 extend the bench of Joey Lassie Keegan Hipgrave Wiramu Gregg and Jordan Rankin Brad Arthur is the coach a little bit to unpack here boys we, we thought Ryan Madison would be back uh, probably in a bench capacity after getting through his reserve grade game but Hayes Dunster uh, what do we make of that one?
2: Um, th- yeah, yeah, I'll let nice you go yeah. Yeah. yeah it's nice to have one of those outside backs on the bench so hopefully you can get a bit of game time but probably limited
0: yeah, well, it led to a bit of speculation because last week we had Will Penasini named by accident, which started all the, the conspiracy theories. And you know the, the, the different scenarios presenting the Eels, I suppose, are here's the emergency cover on the on the bench for an outside back injury, which is probably the most likely. And if that's the case, then he barely plays. And if he does get good playing time, it's because we're up by 30 or 40 and we just want to give uh, Sivo or Ferguson an early shower. Um, but otherwise, if there is some shenanigans afoot, it involves... Uh, putting him at wing and then Ferguson into the centres and right on the aquario on the bench. Or alternatively, uh, Sivo or Ferguson are carrying an injury maybe and they're a genuine uh, chance of being scratched before kickoff, in which case Dunster comes into the starting lineup, and you can bring someone like Wiramu Greg back into the team.
2: But yeah, it added a little bit. Yeah, Sivo did save that, those sort of ribs last week. Yeah,
0: Sivo, he he guts through the entire game and had a a great outing against the Broncos, obviously scoring three tries of five line breaks and I think it was like uh, 12 or 14 tackle busts but he did uh, look like he was struggling at some points with an injury. So uh, I don't think the boys trained today, so I'm not sure if there's any feedback yet. But yeah, definitely one to consider there. But yeah, Madison off the bench. Um, so in in terms of pure uh, personnel, the bench is actually a little bit skinny on middle plays because Madison's an edge player, Bryce Cartwright's an edge player, Dunstan's an outside back, Oregon is your recognized prop. But considering that Madison and Cartwright would bump Papaliti and Sean Lane um, back onto the bench they can then be redeployed as middle forwards as needed.
1: Yeah, like, I I can see like um uh, maybe Murata and Papa Lee go back to the bench and then Dunster come into centers or wing and have Madison like that's if Bradoff is worried about the bench but it's interesting you know having Madison on the bench like surely he's gonna start like it's, like I don't think it's, it's, it can't be nothing to do with his recovery for his um, concussions but I just feel as though uh just Bradoff is just playing a bit of games you know with um with the with Trent Barrett you know he got his first win let him overthink it a bit but. That's the only explanation I can think. Because you'd think, like, looking at that bench, you're a bit worried. But if you have Papa Lee and Murata on the bench, you start to you start to be a bit confident. So, know, that's how you need you to think, go... how you
0: need to think about it, right? Is that even yeah. though they are starting the edge, you're also our bench middle. So
1: yeah, um, so like
0: we we know a lot about the Eels and. Like what we said before in the review. Oh, I part sure hope so then.
1: <laughs> we've done, we've done what? 130 so we, we, episodes we know, like? we
0: know, we know a lot about the 2021 eels at this point. <laughs> so I probably should clarify my statement that way. They've already gone in, like we said earlier in the podcast, they've gone to Canberra and broken the hoodoo. They've gone to Darwin and they've, you know, gone to new heights in a, in a place where they've won, but haven't won convincingly prior to 2021 in the last few years. The Dogs have been a very prickly team for us to take on. We've generally won, barring in 2019, I think, the Dogs pipped one against us at Bank West, um, if I'm just off the top of my head. Yeah, that was a, a really tough game that Nathan Brown got uh, Simbin in for a shoulder charge. Yeah. Can the 2021 Eels continue to defy, I say defy loosely, but defy expectations in terms of, of recent form and put the Dogs away big time on Saturday, uh, Saturday evening? Yeah.
2: Yeah, they've
0: just got to go back to basics, straight up the middle, and then go from there. Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe it is just as simple as that. I'm not trying to be confrontational. I think you might be right, Hamish. We know that the Eels play their best football when they gain ascendancy the in the middle and it opens up the rest of the field for them. And, you know, they're almost built that way with an incredible forward pack front line by Reg and Junior, and with guys like Papa Lee being, you know, revelations uh, for what they're adding to the team. And our worst football has come when we've gone away from that. So... Imposing ourselves in the middle probably is, you know, the, as, simple it is, as simple as it sounds, is the key to thrashing or, or beating the dog comprehensively.
1: I mean, like, if if we go sideways, like like, like that Dragons game, we're going to get beat. Like, if you look at the previous games we played, the Bulldogs, um, you know, we we just go too wide early and we for, we push the pass, force an error. Like, you know, we just go complete high because, you know, the dogs are just going to play boring football and they're just going to – you don't want to give them a chance. So, like, just don't feel as though – Oh, we can outpower them on the edges and let's score off every set. Even if you have to work for twenty minutes, you know it's nil all. Just make sure you gotta try and you gotta grind them down. As, as Hamish said, look, just grind them down and then 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 push the pass. Don't push the pass too early on tackle two or three. Like you just gotta just take your time with them. You know they'll eventually. Um, look, you look at the Sharks last week. They had countless errors and they literally gifted the uh, the Bulldogs before you knew it. You know they were out 18, 18, sorry eighteen nil in front. So like just you gotta. Make them work for it. You can't. You're gonna make it as hard as it is for them to work for it, and yeah, just keep it simple.
0: I I don't want to sound arrogant, and and we've we've definitely beaten the mantra that there is no easy game in the NRL uh, heavily into the ground at times on the podcast because we respect the fact that there is generally speaking no easy game in the NRL, and that in any given Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Thursday.
2: Any given Sunday.
0: Yeah, well, any given Sunday, but given that we don't play well our football on Sundays, unlike the NFL, for the most part it's in any given weekend and Thursday day uh, is that, you know, th- there are no easy games. But looking at that Dogs' lineup and looking at how they've been travelling this year, do you think it's fair to suggest that uh, they should not beat the Eels so much as the Eels beat themselves if the Parramatta Eels are to lose on, on
2: Saturday evening? Oh, yeah. And that's what happened last week. I think Crenola bombed about seven tries. So.
0: <laughs> they, they, and yeah, and credit to the Dogs for turning up. They got out to an 18-0 oh, that's lead. That's all it and, takes. and yeah, and... and but like you said, Hamish, on the flip side, chronoa man, that was, that was almost a circus. Like the amount of tries they, they butchered, the ill discipline, uh, going away from the game plan, uh, shoulder charges, all, all that sort of stuff. No patience, no uh, willingness to get into the contest.
1: I mean, like, the, the, the Dragons team is a much better team than the Bulldogs, right? So, yes. like, and, and the Dragons didn't, like, we didn't beat ourselves against Dragons. Dragons beat us, so... To be without being disrespectful to the Bulldogs, the only way they're going to beat us is if we literally put in a shit performance. You know, it's like it's not like the Dragons when they're they're all the chip, you know, the better team. So, and yeah,
0: I and just, like I said, maybe maybe it is arrogance from, from me to say it, but it just feels like looking at the Dogs team on paper and what Trent barrett has been doing as a coach, they've just got so many issues that it's hard. I mean, to, you got
1: you got to look at Trent Barrett has come out and said at the end of the year he's gonna there's going to be a lot of uh, roster cuts. So. This team's not going to be... These players are not going to be playing in NRL next year unless probably like four or five of them. So, like, it's not so much arrogance. It's just, they're not... the like, Besides the handful of their players, the rest of them, are like, they should be playing for Mounties, to be honest. You understand? So, like, it's just... Wreck it, wreck it, like, being straight up and real, like, they're, they're a, a B... A, sorry, a C-class team, you know? If you and, can rank them in tiers. And, and the,
0: the bookies agree as much in saying that the Eels are ten to the Bulldogs $7, which is as long as odds you're probably going to get... This year, barring the dogs playing a full-strength, or not that they can be full-strength anymore, Roosters, Melbourne or Penrith. So, yeah. Yeah, like I said, kick off this game, 5.30 p.m. out at Stadium Australia. You can get it on KO Foxtel uh, or live, obviously, if you get out there. Um, any other closing discussion points for this one, boys, before we get to our predictions?
1: the uh, Hamishko, if you saw one. You
0: there, brother?
2: No, sorry. Take, take my silences, no.
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, well, th- this game is fairly straightforward for the Parramatta Eels. Don't sabotage, don't trip yourselves, or self-sabotage, sorry. Don't trip yourself over, you know, don't get in your own way. Play hard through the middle, let your halves dictate the flow of the game, and don't get sucked into the dog's brand of football, because that's something that's happened in recent encounters, where the dogs obviously drag the Eels down to a level of play and a standard of play that they thrive in. Um, And, you know, thankfully the Eels so far in in 2021, even against the Dragons, where they weren't great, uh, still, you know, have shown a level of class that should, you know, uh, suggest they can otherwise avoid that. But yeah, so just get the job done. Stay in touch with the Penrith Panthers, who I assume will win given that they're taking on the Manly Seagulls. Uh, I know that there's Tommy Tovoyevich Mania going wild at the moment, but um, it'll be an interesting reality check or, or litmus test for the Manly Seagulls after beating up on a Titans team that don't know how to defend and. West Tigers team that are, frankly, a joke. Uh, yeah, that, that'll keep the Penrith Panthers on top of the ladder most likely, so they always want to be keeping touching distance. So, yeah, that's why the win is very important. Let's get to our predictions, boys. I'll start with Birdie.
1: Yeah, I think I think we'll win um, 34-10. Even though I said, like, um, this could be, like, I, I, I think it could be a close game, but it's just one of those ones where they might put up a, Bulldogs put up a fight for 20 minutes and then we'll just run, run away for, you know, put on four tries in the last 20 minutes, but... I think we'll just our clash prevail. To be honest, you know we we seem a much fitter team. We can go the whole eighty minutes, and yeah, I think you know um, Bulldogs celebrated the grand final last week beating the Sharks. You know there were you know tears of joy from Barrett, uh, but uh, yeah, I think we'll, we should you know greatest win
0: ever easily. win. I think was the or best ever win in terms of his coaching career. <laughs> oh was how he God. described it. Well,
1: yeah. man, look, let's just say there's no West Tigers standing ovation level, but <laughs> it is it. still a big win. Oh my goodness! Um, I, I think first high scorer. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Ferguson. I think he's gonna. I don't know, we'll kick to him. He'll probably just mark it AFL, so and will plant it down. But, um, yeah, I think, I think that'll be be all right. And um, I'm going to make a prediction. Our back three are going to run for a combined total of 450 metres.
0: So 150
1: per? Oh, Gupperson 440, and the other two can get five each. <laughs> 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 no, I, I think, you know, um, Siva had 200 metres. I think he had the 217 metres. Ferga had 200 metres. You know, that's 400 between the two. I think we'll, we'll repeat that then. You know, maybe more than maybe 500. You never know. Why not stop at 600? How about that?
0: 600 metres. There we go. All righty, Hamish. It's good to have you on the podcast and not have to do stupid mean predictions for you. What have you got for us for margin and FTS?
2: Yeah, just this class, it's always close. So I'm going to go 18-16 and deal bags.
0: That's boring. It's realistic, but boring. I'm going uh, for the Eels to continue their, their streak of breaking either droughts or defying sort of established uh, results going for another fairly solid win i'll go 34 to 6 so back-to-back uh six points against um might be a little bit outlandish but i do want to see the dogs get put away by a nice margin uh fts for me uh geez fts for me there's no one interesting starting lineup after the last few games uh let's go big reg we'll go read money to reg on a crash ball for first try scorer um i don't think ham left us any predictions
1: I can do his prediction since I know him very well.
0: Birdie, Birdie is prescient when it comes to what Ham knows and, and wants to say, so we'll let yep. him take it away.
1: He's going to say 54-6 score line. He's going to score – we're going to score three 40-yard field goals, right? Hayes Dunst is going to score the first try off, off the bench in the 45th minute, and then we're going to put on another what, 50 <laughs> go, points. So second half going to go 54 points. Oh yeah, we're just we're just gonna go out there. We're just gonna be like waiting for a mate style, just set stand there. It'd be like traffic cones, and then you know play with them. Like like the you know like a cat plays with a mouse, or you know like a lion plays with its prey. We're gonna play around with them. Yeah, and Dylan's gonna put on a masterclass. You know, doggy style.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so there you go. We're all tipping uh, wins by some margin, including uh, Ham's outrages, fifty-four points in the second half. Uh, margin, which was totally you know in line for. What do you reckon's
1: more outlandish, kicking three forty-yard field goals or scoring fifty-four points against the Dogs? What do you reckon? I reckon the, I reckon we can we can do that three forty-yard field goals. Moses I mean, if if, if, it, if day, a team wanted
0: market. if a team wanted to three forty-yard field goals is not or forty-meter field goals is not beyond their own of possibility, but I feel like naturally three forty-yard uh, forty-meter field goals is pretty out there. I know that,
1: what's the, what's the biggest field goal we've seen Moses kick? I haven't seen. Like, we usually kick it, you know, the short ones. I haven't seen a long range from him for a while.
0: Yeah, that's a good point because Garfison does our long range dropouts, like the restarts. Yeah. So I'm not really sure Mitch's ranges because the one he kicked the other day against Canberra was a Timmons-esque, shanked the shit out of it but managed to get it in.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, has kicked some – actually, against the Dogs a couple of years back, I think in 2017 it might have been, he kicked a really nice field goal when we won, I think it was like 29, 28 or something like that. Um, Yeah. So he he can slot a field goal, but I don't know if he's Adam Reynolds by any means, but then again – not many players do have the golden boot of Adam Reynolds. Mm. Um, anything we want to talk about before we wrap it up, boys? No, I'll leave it there. No
1: uh, NFL draft this Friday. Yeah. So, um, Hamish, before you go, who do you want your Packers to draft, and why isn't it a wide receiver?
2: Hamish, Hamish. Um. Yeah, sorry, I've been switched off the draft, so I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll have to become an expert in the next couple of days.
0: That's all right. One, one, a couple of days is plenty of time to become a. a backseat,
1: I'll give you, I'll give a you a name. Draft. Keep an eye out for Rondell Rondell Moore from Purdue. Mm-hmm. I think he is a great uh, wide receiver. Literally, I'm uh, sort of like one of those slants gadget guys. Keep an eye out for him, or yeah, maybe go for like Katoni. Uh, not Tony Stags. What's his name? One of the Florida state, well, Florida uh, Gators wide receivers, forgot, KJ Tony, or I forgot his name. Anyway, just keep an eye for them too. What about you, Forty? Who do you want your… Well,
0: Seattle have got the, the least picks in like 30 years. They entered the draft with a, a second rounder, a fourth rounder, and a sixth or seventh rounder, I think. So they're either going to trade down or they absolutely have to have their guy in the second round. It has to be like the guy they're completely sold on. Uh, I, It's tough. I think they either go for a skill position player uh, for, for Russ, that wide receiver, um, or they go on the offensive line to get a center or a guard, um, or they look for defensively. Maybe if there's a a, a very talented like D linesman that falls, they might take him at the second round pick. Um, but yeah, it's tough for them because they've got a few. I mean, the Ross is fairly good, but they've got a few holes to fill um, and not many picks to do it. So, it'll be interesting to see what they do.
1: You guys sure love a uh, trade-back scenario. They do. It's a shame you yeah, can't do it in this a, year.
0: In a normal year, they, they always trade back. It'll be interesting to see what they do this year because um, without the benefit of a first-round pick, it's hard to get the sort of value you usually get in, in a trade-back. So in order to get the same sort of value, they'd have to trade back well onto the third uh, to then get like another fourth or fifth rounder. So not really sure what they're going to do, but it'll be interesting to see it.
1: Yeah, well, our Cowboys with the 10th pick, most likely you're going to pick the first defensive player. Off the, on the board, so it's going to be uh, very interesting. You don't know you, whether you go up to the corner, Satan, partner him up with his ex-teammate and Digs, or go Mark Payton. You know, I know he has like uh, off-field issues. You know, with bit of bullying and hazing. But Which, I, I, like people say, like um, the, the draft starts at number three. Yeah, it's, it's a bit boring because we know the QBs, but it's a defensive players because we don't know who's. who's yeah, how the, the defensive, how, how the
0: defensive line, um, the the run on defensive players goes is fascinating because, like you said, you got uh, sunshine at number one, Trevor Lawrence. You have got Zach Wilson at number two, and then it's either uh, uh, Lance, Trey Lance, or Trey Lance, Mac Jones, uh,
1: Mac Jones, um, Justin Fields. Like I don't, like people are sleeping on Fields. He's like he Fields, was the number Fields two. pick Fields has fallen year. out,
0: has fallen out of the the supposed contention for the number yeah. three pick by uh, for some reason. But yeah, uh, Fields very good, and and Trey Lance on the flip side is very raw. From a you know a program that hasn't developed him as much, so no one really knows how good or bad
1: he is. So, well, the yeah. program is literally two thirds run the ball and, and one third. You know he's got the most upside. He's got more upside than tre- uh, Trevor Lawrence. That's how that's the surprising bit. But um, it's just uh, what was I was going to say It just I, I, I don't know like the QBs because this is all sudden up for Justin Fields to fall the fifteen for the Patriots and Belichick literally winning the draft.
0: You and know, there's, there's, the talk, the there's talk, there's talk about see. Julio Jones been on the block too. So well, then we...
1: that that just solidifies um, Atlanta taking Cole Pitts to tight end slash wide receiver slash Megatron two point yeah, the offensive
0: weapon. Yeah, that's super,
1: Yeah, so, so like you never know, and just and then you got the Bengals. Who do they want? Do they listen to Joe Burrow get his best major Marches? Yeah, or do they get the he wants, he wants his buddy.
0: Yeah, so,
1: so lots, lots of
0: man. cool things for the draft to watch this year, and I'm sure we'll update you on the podcast as it goes by. But yeah, obviously a pri- pair primary still, but. We do love to talk about other sports on the main, on the side there. Okay, boys, I think we'll wrap it up there. We're very happy to have Hamish back, um, even if it is on a, a remote connection there, but he's um, done a great job to give us his insight still. And uh, maybe next week, touch on wood, we can have the the Holy Quartet uh, back together. We'll get Hamish and Ham
2: the band back together and
0: Birdie and myself and... And you know, it will be on the back of us, absolutely pummeling the dogs. So, uh, and, and maybe Mariah gets named in the back row or, or on the bench. What's
1: <laughs> like that sound like we had in the background? Please stand clear. Maybe we should start using that. We should, we should <laughs> yes. have that fluid Civo text light.
0: Please stand clear. But yeah, on that, uh, on that note, I think we'll wrap it up. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode.
1: Yeah, thanks, guys. Bye bye.